Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by the beat reporters Jim Thomas and Matthew DeFranks. And guys, let's get right to it. Uh, what was supposed to be a potential pivotal uh, homestand for a team fighting for the playoffs, uh, JT, that did not turn out so much. Uh, you targeted five and two as a reasonable goal, and uh, they ended up three and four. Mission not accomplished. Not even close. And even before the Buffalo game, uh, uh, Craig Berube said, "No, it's not. It's not good enough, even to go, uh, even to go four and three. So uh, I figured this might be an Armageddon edition of the net front, and uh, and uh, I think it, uh, it 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 will be. And they're 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 running they're running out of time. And as our friend uh, Lou Korak uh, in the press box uh, uh, pointed out, uh, you know they win these two games, they're one point out." of not not just the wild card but of third place because minnesota is coming back to the pack now and that that just tells you what a fine line it is uh in in what they're trying to do and you know the, the players uh typical answers to some degree although some are more frank than others uh it's always good to hear justin falk because he's a little more outspoken but anyway we got to dig out of this hole we've got time there's 30 something games left well actually there isn't 37 games left However many games there are until the tread deadline, that's how many how, how much time they have left. And uh, the marker, kind of the rough marker, I mean, it's not set in stone, was 10 games above 500. You know, I believe the, the phrase was uh, by Armstrong was, if we go on a heater and get to 10 games above 500, well, what are they, back to one game above, above 500 now? And they have, uh, I think it's like 10 games. I could be wrong, 10 or 11 games. So... They're going to have to get extremely hot and uh, it's, it's, it's the concrete isn't quite set, but it's uh, it's already been laid and they've got the little boards around and <laughs> just don't step in it, you know, cause it's starting to dry. Yeah. It's uh, it, this stress kind of reminds me of something uh, someone once told me that the difference between making and missing the playoffs is one win a month. Right. So Say there's six months in the season. One minute a month is is 12 points, and you know that's the difference between uh, between putting a good season together and and not. And uh, this these kind of swing games, and this one really wasn't a swing game, but you know the, across this homestand, I think they were giving some games away and um, some points that they could use in the playoff hunt. That those are the games that kind of add up and they stack up, and uh, they really come back to bite you right uh and it's it's just one of those things that you know the same things keep popping up over and over again and uh you know nothing really i don't know if matters is the right word but you can't really judge the the team until the defense is uh is adequate right you, you can't you can say bennington has hasn't saved them or hasn't bailed them out um which she's paid to do but they've been so poor in front of them that it's tougher to judge his performance and you know look on the offensive side and you say well they're okay they're good at, at the rush and the campus has putts in the offensive zone but you know what good is his rush offense if you keep giving up slot shots so it's just one of the it's the key thing that's kind of been uh, going on all season as you guys know and um really kind of hampers their ability to, to do much uh moving forward well jt i think the if you're going to point to, I mean, there's so many times in the season you could say, well, that's when the, that's the day the music died. But uh, certainly I think the, uh, the, 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 the turntable was finally uh, thrown out the window. Um, 
Saturday. Um, you know, you have a, a Blackhawks team there and they're playing well because you got young guys that are trying to make it in the league and there's, you know, they're, they're full of energy and they're coming at you and the proud veterans tired of losing and don't want to be in that position. And all these kids tired of being in Rockford and I've been to Rockford. And I've seen the ice hogs play there. It's a fine building, but they want to be in the NHL. Um, Boy, they just, you talk about what Matt said about poor defense and you look at the start of that game and you look at the goals they gave up and there's just the, the start was just so horrific. And it just seemed like that was the point where, you know, that's when the concrete was definitely being poor JT. Yeah. And they, you know, and the players knew that was a bad loss. I mean, you can't lose that game. You just can't. And they knew it and the Baruby knew it. And uh, so going into uh, last night's game, uh, Tuesday's game, I, I wonder if it affected them at, at, at the start because they, they knew four and three, uh, uh, it's just not good enough. They, they have to, they're at the stage of the season where they have to make up ground quicker. Jeff, you and I, and, and Tom Timmerman, since even before the season opened, we said it would be defense and goaltending would be the, the two big issues. And, uh, again, it's, it's, it's hard to judge Bennington because of what's in front of him. But, uh, I do want to say, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the white elephant in the room. No one's willing to say that he needs to be better or hardly anyone needs to say that. And he needs to be better. I think he's part of the issue. I know things are terrible around him, but uh, you know, I, I, I think I've pointed out these stats before. There are 86 goalies that have played in the league and that have played, even if it's one minute, he's 60th out of 86 in save percentage, 3.28. And of those 86 goalies, he's, 72nd in save percentage, uh, 0.891. There are only six goalies that are paid more than he is. So he's, he's got to be better. You're, you're paying him 6 million a year. He's tied for the seventh most, uh, 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 richest goalie in terms of contract in the league to make tough saves, to bail you out when you have problems. And I don't know if his confidence is shot or what, but it's part of the issue too. And, and another thing I want to point out is we all look at the blue line, but the defense by the forwards, and that, that really came even more into focus last night. That's as much of an issue as, as, as anything. The first goal, Pitlick loses a puck to Tage Thompson in the slot. The second goal, Shen fessed up. He, uh, uh, he left the slot and Tarasenko was there, but was just oblivious that there was a Buffalo player right there. The third goal, Thomas uh, got beat to the net for a backdoor goal, plain and simple by, by Owen Power. And then the fourth goal was uh, was uh, uh, created by a turnover by uh, Pareko, which got, got him demoted to the uh, to the third pairing and kind of kind of thrown under the bus by uh, Baruby. But the, the 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 forwards have been, I think, as much to blame for the poorest defense as uh, as anybody. Yeah, I just want to do some quick math. Uh, so right now they have 48 or excuse me, 49 points in 48 games. And in order to get to kind of that 95 point threshold, which has generally been the, the playoff cutoff, uh, they would have to play at a 111 point pace uh, across the remaining games. And I don't think that we've ever seen a 111 point team this season. And that's just kind of where they're at. Like JT, you talked about them needing to go on big stretches and, and having putting together a streak. And uh, obviously three and four at home is not good enough, but that's kind of the uphill 
battle that they're fighting here, 111 point pace for the rest of the season. Uh, and that's just, that's a tall task for this team. Well, JT, uh, you know, over the, uh, the many months of my negativity, I have uh, tried both in the, uh, in the net front and in our, in my live chat to um, provide some protection for much maligned Colton Pareko, who uh, did finish uh, last year with a, with a much, it was in a much better place uh, last year and certainly was part of a much better penalty killing unit at the end of last year. And, and the things were going in the right direction last year. So I, I, I've tried, I tried really hard to, to keep deflecting uh, the heat, uh, even as this season unfolded, pointing out that, you know, not having a great defensive pairing and some of the other issues, some of the matchup challenges that he faced uh, in his, with his usage. But having said all that, I, I'm just going to have to surrender JT. I mean, I, I'm just going to have to give it up. And, you know, Matt, you're going to feel the full wrath of the, uh, the fans in the live chat uh, yourself. And, and is, but you know, right now, Jim, there is no defending it. I mean, here, you're counting on him to be a stabilizer back there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Matt, you know, the story, uh, game story and the comments of Baruby, And, you know, this is just a guy that's just kind of um, lost out there right now. He's just, whether it's what he does with the puck or where he goes on the ice and what his positioning is, he's just lost. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, who would have thought it? Uh, Jeff Gordo, uh, uh, Gordon, the, the voice of reason on Pareko, but you were, and I was in the same camp. But it's hard to defend right now. And, you know, I, I after uh, I came home, I watched the first two periods. And it's not like he made egregious mistakes in that game, except for that turnover that led to the fourth goal. And obviously, Baruby <laughs> did not like that fourth goal. I mean, you, you talk about throwing him under the bus. And and uh, uh, like most fan bases, the, uh, uh, the Blues can have a mob mentality. And you talk about throwing some red meat or as, as our friend Bernie Miklas used to say, throwing some chum into the water for the sharks. Uh, he threw some, uh, some chum into the water and you know what? He's not Chris Pronger. Uh, fans want him to be Chris Pronger. He's just never going to have that aggressive stress, but I, uh, 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 streak to him, but I think maybe that, that fourth goal just triggered everything and it's accumulation of stuff. And he just said, he's got to be more assertive. And I don't know, if, I don't know if he has that in him. So, uh, I, I'm just wondering if, Maybe I should change my view in terms of whether they try to move him because I I still think he has a pretty good reputation league wide, and I wonder if we should put him on the on the trade list, potential trade list. Yeah, I think to continue some metaphors here. I mean, going along with the red meat and the chum, I think maybe that was the straw that broke the camel's back. No, maybe <laughs> uh, that fourth goal. Yes, yeah, that poor camel is hurting today. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you see uh, minus four when you're 70 seconds into the second period um, and you know that it's not a, not your night and it's been not his season either. Right. And it's uh, it's been you know before I, I got here in December, it was kind of interesting looking from afar as to what Colton Pareto's season had been, because you know a few years ago, you know, I, I think the general consensus was that he was ready to take the next step and you know I know Doug Armstrong talked about him becoming a a number one defenseman and stepping into that Petrangelo role and uh, obviously hasn't I mean just a a quick nugget I I know that he was put in the class of Jacob Slavin and Essa Lindell 
in terms of contract negotiations and using those guys as comps all in the same group. And that was, uh, you know, that they fit that mold of, of big, uh, heavy kind of defense first guys. And I think right now, if you ask people, I don't think they would put him in that same category uh, like they did maybe a few years ago. So, you know, lead wide, I think that was kind of the perception. And now you look at, you know, 6.5 for seven more seasons. Uh, you know, he's not paid as a number one defenseman, um, but he is one of three guys that are paid as number twos on the roster, right? And that becomes an issue when you don't have someone that can, that, well, when you, when you have someone like Perk who's had a bad year. And, you know, his minutes last night, I think there were 16, 15, uh, lowest of the season, uh, lowest since last April. Uh, and that's, that's something that, that all, that never lies. Uh, ice time never lies. Uh, because that's how the coaches may say something to us. They may say something to players, but, uh, ice time never lies and never hides how coaches feel. And, you know, 16, 15 for a guy that's been up around 27, 28 at times this year is very telling as to how the coaching staff felt about his game last night. And we never lie here on the net front, do we? No, never. <laughs> never. Uh, well, JT, another guy that's paid at that level uh, returned to action, Tory Krug, and made a couple of nice passes, mm -hmm. which is what Tory Krug does. But uh, th this, too, uh, has been just an awful season for Tory, And he's another guy that frequently comes up in discussions about what his future is. Now, he, too, has protections in his contract. But uh, and, he, and he's a guy that has a reputation for being a different type of guy, obviously, than Colton, but certainly uh, one of the better power play quarterbacks who can play a, a decent all around game. Been a rough year for him. Now he comes back and he has a couple of nice passes. But, um, boy, he's another guy. As you look at this team and you look at the future and you wonder about this entire season, that um, you just wonder, well, you know, what so what happened uh, to Tory? And there's time for him to salvage the season to a degree. But. He's, he's like a lot of guys. He's he's coming out. He's he's in a pretty deep ravine as he tries to to to, to try to salvage this thing. Yeah, and the uh, this year the uh, you know the uh, the passing on the the, the power play has always uh, been there, and he'll score an occasional uh, uh, goal. But uh, I think this before the injury, and I think Tory probably will say the same thing. One of, one of his maybe his worst defensive. Uh, uh, season and he was frustrated by it and kind of telling himself I know what kind of player I am sooner or later I'm going to get back to that player and he he felt pretty good before the injury but the injuries are part of the equation I mean we pointed out before I think he's I, I, I don't think he's played 65 games now granted one of the one of the seasons was the COVID short, shortened season but I don't I don't think he's played 65 games since uh he's he's been with the uh been with the blues. And if you're trying to deal him, uh, I think the other teams are, are, are aware of that. And, uh, you know, he's a smaller guy. He plays a tough game. He he's, he's feisty and, and pesky, uh, out there. And every once in a while he'll go postal and, you know, pound, pound a guy, uh, into the boards or, or whatever. But I, I kind of go back and forth in my head thinking, what, do the blues want to do? Do they want to trade him? Do they want to keep him? You could see the impact that he has on the power play, just on that, that first power play that I think it was their only power play last night. He just, he moves, he moves the puck quickly. It's, 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 it's much more dynamic than uh, 
when some of the other point guys uh, move it. But is that enough to keep him at uh, six and six and a half million? And the other thing is, uh, Tori told me this was right in camp. I asked him about the trade rumors because he was he was rumored last last uh, uh, right before free agency began, and he said, "Well, uh, I have a I have a no trade clause, and uh, usually players don't bring that up. So maybe he'd be the rare player that vetoes any kind of uh, any kind of proposed uh, trade." But uh, uh, yeah, he he, he uh, it, to me the the part of me wants to say that uh, Krug and Scandella are the 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 easiest guys, I mean, the most, the, the guys that make the most sense to move if you're trading guys and you want to free up some money, but I, I'm, I'm not sure the blues feel that way or feel that way every day. Yeah. I, uh, I actually liked Krug's game last night. Um, obviously he had the two assists, but he helped in transition. Uh, he had that one play where he broke up a two on one on the rush, uh, sliding in his own zone. Um, uh, and I think he generally was was better than most of his teammates last night. So I didn't I didn't mind his game last night. But I think when we talk about Krug and Pareko and, and even Justin Falk, I think they all fall into kind of the category of you'd like to have them on your team in their role. And, you know, when you don't have a true number one, you have these three guys that are asked to do things that are not really in their their skill set or wheelhouse. Right. So, you know, like Pareko's not not a not an offensive guy. For Krug's not a not a defensive guy. Falk is maybe not good enough at either, but diligent enough at both. Um, and so, you, it it always comes back to to that search for a number one defenseman for me. And that's kind of what every contending cup team has had. I mean, you look at Cam Lacar last year, Victor Hedman in Tampa. Uh, you know, Petrangelo in St. Louis, uh, John Carlson in Washington, Chris Letang in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, and they, these guys, you know, Carlson and Letang, you could argue about being two-way guys. Uh, but each one of these teams had a guy that they could say that is our number one defenseman. And this is who we lean on in, in big moments and big situations. And the Blues right now don't have one. And the path forward is going to be searching for how to find one. You know, do they finally draft a defenseman in the first rounds and let them develop that way, the long way? Or is it, you know, getting assets at the trade deadline and flipping it for, for an NHL player right now? Um, you know, I think JT and I have talked about how we feel about Jacob Chikrin and if he fits that or if he would just be another kind of number two miscast as a top guy. So, you know, when we talk about Krug, I think it's just kind of one of those overarching themes on this roster and something that they'll have to address in the next six weeks, really, uh, when you have to decide kind of what path you're charting and uh, whether you're going to go through the, the draft and rebuild stage, or if you're getting assets and kind of flipping them and, and going with a more retool rather than rebuild. When you look at uh, possible trade targets, uh, you see uh, 91 come back and Look like his old self. Now he had a tough night in terms of not not quite converting. You know, he had one really good shot that goes off of the uh, the shaft uh, of, uh, of the goaltender a stick. He had some others that he just simply missed, but he was pumping pucks at the net anyways, which is what he does. So JT, if you're a scout and you're watching the Blues, you're keeping an eye on 91. There are teams that will look for a guy that will 
uh, funnel pucks to the net. Uh, he's back sooner than expected, looking looking fresh, doing what he does, which isn't enough to help this team win. But, um, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a guy that's going to have a spotlight on him because obviously with the expiring contract, he's a, he's a person of interest. And he looks like a guy that's, uh, that wants to market himself. Yeah, and uh, he's a guy that, you know, like many goal scorers, he, he's, he's a streaky guy, but a guy that if he gets hot, he can carry a team. And we, we've seen him do that uh, many times over the years in, uh, in St. Louis. Uh, yeah, I thought his passing was off last night, and maybe he'd been out for so long. You know, it's it's still an adjustment, the, the speed of the game. But, uh, boy, his instincts in terms of finding open ice and taking the shot were great. And, and you know, he probably doesn't have quite the zip on his shot because it was a hand uh, injury. And uh, if it were maybe three or four games later, maybe he scores a couple goals because he had some really good looks. And uh, uh, he needs to, wherever he's, with the Blues, however much longer or whatever team. He needs to shoot it a lot. You know, he's, he's one of those players that needs to be selfish. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely marketing himself. And uh, uh, I'm sure uh, he, he wants to play in the All-Star game. I don't know how that helps with marketing unless there's a – it's like a, maybe it's an agent fest down there. I, I, I don't know. But he loves – we know he loves uh, South Florida. So, uh, Matthew Kachuk, if you're listening, contact of Vladimir Tarasenko. And uh, – but yeah, yeah, he he he's a guy definitely worth keeping an eye on. O'Reilly, on the other hand, is in a little bit of situation because we saw him after the game last night, and uh, he's still in a walking boot. Kind of in my mind, it's becoming more and more difficult to to envision O'Reilly being up to full speed by the time they're they're back from the uh, from the All Star break. Yeah, and I thought Terry Sanko had a had a decent game last night. Uh, yeah, willingness to shoot was there. Uh, obviously, so there are some puck plays and some turnovers that you'd like to have back. I think there was one that sprung Buffalo on a three-on-one rush the other way. Uh, but that that shot mentality is that I mean that's his that's his game, right? Um, he he has been an above-average shooter throughout his career, but a lot of his success is also predicated on uh, shot volume. And you know, there is a guy in Dallas, that Trevor Tyler Sagan, who is similar ish, uh, in that he was, his shot was good, but a lot of his success came from, uh, shot volume and getting that shooting mentality and getting bucks on net. And Terry Sanko had that last night. I mean, he had a couple of really good chances, uh, on the sits on five situation, uh, after the blues pulled Bennington. And, uh, I think maybe if we're a week later and he, maybe he's a little bit more uh, comfortable and, and back in the swing of things, maybe that's a tie game. Maybe it's four, four and uh, they go to overtime. So uh, it's, it's one of those things where yeah, I think teams are definitely going to be seeing how he progresses in the next few weeks. And, and last night was probably a decent start for that. Um, but obviously the blues need some production. He hasn't, I know he's only played uh, you know three, three games since Christmas um, but when you look at the calendar and you say he hasn't scored in a month, it's, it's, uh, it seems a little bit longer. Yeah. And JT, we all know how, how he loves going a month without having a goal to, to, to celebrate. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, hey, last, you know, last thing in the net front, uh, we've talked about him before. I want to end on a positive note if it's, if it's possible today and it's barely possible, I suppose, but 
we've talked about Tyler Tucker before. Uh, a lot of young guys have gotten a look this year because of circumstances. Um, I think it's telling that he continues to get a look. Uh, he uh, certainly brings the attitude. And uh, but uh, JT, I guess you know, and we're not going to oversell him. You know, the fact that he's even a number th- a third pairing defenseman based on where he was drafted and what expectations were for him uh, as a draft player. I think he's he's probably uh, exceeded where, where many people thought he would end up uh, just by getting to this point. But, uh, you know, I don't mind his game. And you know, he makes some decent plays with the puck. We know he's willing. Not a great skater. You know, he's physical, but he's not ginormous as a player. Um, he will shoot the puck. Um, you know, there's something there. You need guys like this to fill out your roster at a low cost. Uh, and at the very least, you know, in a lost season, Guys like him have a chance to try to uh, move toward that one-way contract and, and, and getting a place to live. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it was very telling that uh, uh, he was in the lineup basically in place of Callie Rosen, who some of us in the press uh, box call uh, Bobby Orr because of the fans love him so much. The fans were outraged that Callie was not in the lineup. But uh, and very telling that he was there, and he plays the Baruby style of game. And I think you you uh, capsuled kind of his uh, how what he's like as a player uh, perfectly. And, uh, you know, you're wondering if because uh, I'm becoming increasingly convinced that uh, Mikola will not be back, that they're, they're going to try to move him because he's, he's going to want uh, a, a decent bump in salary. And do you think. Tucker can replace Mikola. Now Mikola has been able to step up at least on the short term and fill a top four role. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think Tucker, Tucker is earning some points here with his play. Again, it's only what, like 10 or 11 games, but uh, an interesting guy. And, and we can't, uh, and <laughs> Matt, Matt and I were, were kind of going over this before the game last night. The, you can't uh, oversell the fact that uh, they need cheap labor to make the roster next year to make the cap work. And he, he looks like he's doing everything he can to be one of those guys. Yeah. Gordo, you mentioned his willingness to shoot. And uh, that was really apparent last night at the, at the start. I think he had two of the team's first three shots on goal. Um, he had those one timers uh, from the right point. And, you know, that's a benefit, I guess, of having a, a defensive play on his offside, but uh, more so than anything, I think the fact that he's even playing in the NHL, uh, the pick is already a win for the Blues. Um, I was curious about this. I just looked this up right now. It had been 20 years uh, since the the last seventh round, seventh rounder or later hit by the Blues had had played in the NHL. Uh, that was a 2002 eighth round draft pick. So a, a round that doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, named Tom Kovic. So, so it had been quite some time since the Blues had a had a late draftee like that contribute at the NHL level, and the fact that he's even in the NHL, uh, you know, given his draft status, uh, is is quite something already. So, you know, looking forward, I think I, I would you know agree with JT that y- you look at what they may lose in the offseason and in, in kind of their physicalness and um, you know, I guess hard to play against S of, uh, of Nico Mikula and you can look at Tyler Tucker and uh, maybe you can just fill in there, uh, cheap labor on an entry level deal, you know, with the way that the cap is and what the, the, the needs of the blues are, 
uh, they're going to need to fill some roles with uh, with cheaper guys. And Tyler Tucker has definitely proved enough um, to get a little bit more of a look uh, in, in the summer and training camp next year. Um, but yeah, I think right now, just just accepting that he's in the NHL is a, is a win for the Blues. It'll be a win for him when he gets turns that court for him, a one-way contract and no more trips to the HL. That'll be eventually in his future. And that, that will be a big step for him. And shout out to Bill Armstrong and the folks earlier in the drafting process for the blues that started getting guys uh, later in the draft, which was not happening under Yarmo Kikalainen. Um, They did not find a lot of guys late in the draft and that made it difficult for them to, um, to remain competitive. So shout out to the crew that uh, made some of these picks earlier for the Blues. They need to keep that up because they need they need the depth in the organization. So this is it for this edition of the Netfront. Sorry we couldn't be more positive. We tried in on a better note. But uh, a reminder, um, all of our, uh, our chats, our blogs, our videos, our podcasts, we've got a lot of stuff going on at stltoday.com. We still put out that print edition every day as well. We appreciate all of you who support local journalism. So for Jim Thomas, for Matt Franks, I'm Jeff Gordon. Until next time, to hear from here in the net front, see ya.